And as you sit, if you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 this evening. 2 Peter. We continue to slowly make our way through this chapter. Our focused verses are going to be verses 12 through 15. Verses 12 through 15. And if you would like a sermon outline and sermon notes, you can find that on the inside of your bulletin. Before we hear the reading and preaching of God's word, join me once again as we go to the Lord in prayer, asking for him to illumine our hearts and minds to the truth of his word. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come to you as we open your word, knowing that your spirits must work in our hearts in order to open our understanding, to receive it, to understand it, to follow it, Lord. And we pray for that to be done this evening as we look at these very wonderful verses by Peter. O Lord, we pray that you would be gracious to us, and in your loving kindness, that you would guide us in your truth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Second Peter, chapter 1 beginning in verse 12. Here now, the holy, the infallible, the inspired and inerrant word of God, written for you and for me today. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly... I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. O beloved in Christ, precious faith, precious promises, fruitful growth in grace, these are three essential truths that the Apostle Peter has pressed for his direct audience and all Christians everywhere to know and to live in view of. For we have obtained our precious faith by the righteousness of Christ. Peter taught us that well. Remember how Peter prayed that God's people would have grace and peace multiplied to them in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ. And this knowledge is not only what we grow in, but it's also foundational to our spiritual growth. For it is through this knowledge that God in his power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Peter also taught us that it is by this that God has given us such great promises, through which we are growing in holiness and have been freed from sin, death, and the bondage to it. And it was for this very reason, Peter said, that as we stand on the strong foundation of faith in Christ and knowledge of him, we then must spring forward with diligence to grow and mature, bearing good fruit in obedience to Christ. Now, if you'll recall, Peter described this growth as our adding things to our faith. And again, this isn't 
adding things to faith in order to be saved. No, we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. However, as it must be evident that our faith is a lively faith, the presence and activity of these added virtues that Peter layered and connected, that the presence of these added virtues in our lives show forth a fruitful tree in the knowledge of Christ. And it's important that we remember that not only is it the Holy Spirit's work in us, sanctifying us, but also that we have the responsibility of growing in godliness, growing in holiness, so that we would enjoy the assurance of our salvation. And therefore, we're thankful. Right? We're thankful for Peter's insight and warning that if one lacks such diligence, he will be short-sighted and blind having forgotten their being cleansed by Christ. And this is a part of why we must follow God's command, to, to even be more diligent, as Peter said, to make our call and election sure, to discern the work and the testimony of the Spirit in our hearts. Now, considering all of this, Peter was mindful to remind. He was mindful to remind and to do so often. In tonight's text, Peter pauses in his, his progress here in the development of his theology to share his love for the people, and for good reason. Let's consider his words about how he wasn't negligent in doing so in verse 12, as well as his stirring of the saints in verse 13, and how his death wouldn't stop such reminders in verses 14 and 15. So look with me at verse 12, where Peter talks about the lack of negligence in reminding. He says, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Now, reality is, is that we are forgetful. And often we need reminders. We need them in many areas of our lives, don't we? Now, wives, maybe... Uh, more mindful of this to their husbands at times, right? Um, but if we need these types of reminders in all areas of our lives, including the most important one that is too often forgotten, our spiritual life. So it's wonderful that our God sends faithful shepherds like Peter to come and to guide us with reminders, to encourage us, to move us along with reminders. Notice how Peter points out that because of the divine call to grow in spiritual maturity, and because of short-sightedness, because of what can easily be forgotten, because of our need to make our call and election sure, Peter was focused on not being negligent to remind. Literally, he would always be ready. He would always be ready. Not being ready wasn't an option for Peter. He wasn't going to fail at properly caring for the saints. And he makes a point to say that included reminders. He had a God-given duty to be faithful in his ministry, and he wasn't going to neglect that which he knew he was called to do. Peter would display the same diligence in every part of his ministry that he calls believers to in Christian living. And this is important because if ministers are negligent in their work, they can hardly expect that the people will be diligent 
in their duties. If ministers are negligent in their work, if we're not doing what we are called to do and what we are supposed to do, we can expect that that is going to also bear fruit and not desirable fruit in the lives of God's people that they are called to serve. And so Peter and other ministers are like the watchmen that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 62, verse 6, where we read, I have set watchmen on your hills, excuse me, on your walls, Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. And so we see that these watchmen are ever vigilant, right? But these watchmen are vocal. They're diligent in their duties. They don't keep silent. They are busy about the work of the Lord whom they serve. But Peter said that these, this lack of negligence to remind would be present in him, though he recognized right, that you know and are established in the present truth. So Peter recognized that reminders are exactly that. They're reminders. He reminded God's people of knowledge that they already had. Truth that they were already rooted and strengthened in. You know, many times good preaching is preaching and proclaiming things and encouraging and exhorting you to do things that you already know. Paul carried out a similar practice with the saints in Rome in Romans 15, verses 14 and 15. He said there, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, note verse 15, I have written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. And so on the one hand, God's people or anyone could say, well, yeah, thanks, I appreciate the reminder, but you're saying that I already know what you're telling me. So why are you doing this? Where is the need? What's, what's the reason? Well, there could be a variety of reasons as to why these things are helpful and good. Maybe that you've fallen into sin. And you need to be reminded, you need to be guided back to the truth of the doctrine that you've departed from. Or the, the uh, evident uh, situation in your life where you have walked away and you, or you have fallen in your practice in walking in the Christian life. Reminders are good. They are important. You know, like Paul said, he wrote more boldly to them on some points, knowing that they were filled with all knowledge. He needed to remind them. And he needed to do so because of the grace of God. This was God's intention. This was God's purpose and movement in Paul to do towards his people. They needed reminders. If you think about it, reminders are acts of love from those who care. Reminders also communicate the importance and value of what is the focus or the content of the reminder, right? Why do parents remind their children of their duties and obedience? Because we care for them. 
We want them to complete, to grow in, to mature, to, to develop in the things that are good for them and right before the Lord. We're not just doing it to hear ourselves slap our gums. There's a purpose here. And it's focused on growth. It's focused on benefit. It's focused on maturity. It's focused on completing things. We see this to be very similar in what Peter's doing, don't we? Like most areas in our lives, when we consider spiritual virtues, we tend to have one of two responses. We either say, you know, I'm good. I've got this. And we do so pridefully. Why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this again? Or even again and again? I get it. But do you really? Does your life show that you get it? Do your words show that you get it? Where's the fruit? Or... We are humble and willing to listen because we see and we understand the value of such repetition. We understand the value of the reminder. This is what we need. We know it and we welcome it for its God-ordained purposes in our lives. We're thankful for it even. But there was another reason that Peter brought such reminders to the people's attention. Look at verse 13. He says, yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. Peter knew that it would be negligent. It it would be wrong and uncaring, and he wouldn't be being obedient to the Lord not to remind them. And therefore, it was right to continue this practice as long as he lived. As long as the Lord gave him breath, as long as he was in this, quote-unquote, this tent. Now, what is this tent that he's talking about? Did Peter go around and pitch a tent and just live in the tent and only the reminders came when he was in the tent? No, he's not talking about a literal tent. Literally, the Greek word for tent means, it can mean a tent, but it also means a dwelling place or a tabernacle. Remember in the Old Testament scriptures, before the temple was built, God in his special presence dwelt among his people in the tabernacle. And this was a portable tent that traveled around with the people. But here, Peter is referring to his body. The tent was his body. And keep in mind, doing this and and giving this type of reminder wasn't on Peter's bucket list, so to speak. It wasn't that Peter knew that his death was imminent, and so he spent a lot of time in his personal time or at night before he went to bed kind of making a list of the things now that he needed to do, knowing that his life was not going to be too much longer. Right? This wasn't Peter's bucket list, so to speak. But it was Peter's God-given passion all along, and it would be until he died. Truly, how committed are we in that type of longevity of service to our Lord, right? Sometimes you think about it, and you're like, you know what? I'm looking, I'm ready and, and, and looking forward to retirement, right? When I can stop doing the things that I was doing, and retirement's great. I'm not speaking against that. But here was Peter's lifelong service. Here was Peter's service 
in ministry to God's flock, to feed the sheep, to, to tend to Christ's precious lambs. And he said, you know what, I'm not going to stop doing this. I'm going to do it until the day I die. And I'm going to remind you, I'm going to encourage you in Christ and the ways of the Lord until I die. May we have that type of commitment ourselves. You know, we have similar passions about things, don't we? Right? As long as I'm alive and kicking, I will what? Fill in the blank. What things have you put in there? Or until my dying breath, I will fill in that blank. And so God gives us passions and focuses that we desire to carry out until the end. That by God's grace and work, we will never get tired of doing or pursuing. And that was true of Peter. This wasn't a burden for him that was labor, laboring and one that he did not take joy in. He took joy in this ministry to God's people. And what was Peter's purpose in this committed practice? Why does he remind us of our faith? Why does he remind us of God's promises? Why does he remind us of what fruitful, godly living looks like? Because he's committed to doing what, he said? Stirring up God's people. He was committed to stirring us up. Literally, to wake us up. To wake us up. My friends, sometimes good preaching, good teaching and instruction isn't giving you something new. It's stirring you up by reminding you to do the things that you aren't doing but should be doing. Or aren't thinking about that you know are right. It's also encouraging you to continue doing what you're doing sometimes. In the Greek, what we call the present active indicative, right? Do these things. Keep doing these things. Keep going and growing it. Do the things that are pleasing to the Lord in accordance with his word. We would do well as Christians if we would work on things and grow in godly living according to what we know God tells us to do in the Christian life. If that was one of our focuses and attentions, as we consider our allegiance and our obedience to Christ and loving him by keeping his commandments. You know, reality is that we need to be stirred up. We need to be woken up. The gospel obedience often, don't we? Similar to the oar of a boat being used to stir up the water to get the boat moving. It's important that our hearts and minds are stirred up spiritually to get and to keep us moving. It's too easy to become lazy or slothful in doing good. Peter also said that the importance of the timing of this stirring up was due to what he anticipated to be his eminent death. Look at verse 14. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. As Peter knew that he would die soon, as he knew he soon would put off his tent, this points us to the doctrine of death and the importance of it. Sometimes we don't talk about this doctrine very much, but here it is for us in the scriptures. We're prompted to consider it. What is the truth about death? It's true that all believers, except those who are alive when Christ returns, 
will experience physical death. But we also know that physical death is not unique to Christians, for death comes to every man and woman, regardless of whether they believe in Christ or not. And as those who are in Christ, however, we approach death from a different perspective than that of those who don't and aren't. We know that death is not a part of the natural order. Death is an, is an intruder that came in with sin. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin, thus we rightly hate death, beloved, and desire life. We rightly hate death and desire life. It's an intruder. But what is true when we die and after we die? Remember Paul's words regarding our tents and the promised resurrection that we look forward to, as well as the intermediate state that he speaks of in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. He says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Notice verse 4. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. So here we see some wonderful words, wonderful instruction from Paul regarding what happens when we die and what happens after we die. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The doctrine of purgatory is a lie. It's not true. The doctrine of soul sleep, or the teaching of soul sleep, is also not true. Here we find that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we die, our bodies are in the ground. But our souls are with the Lord. They're with Christ, awaiting the resurrection and the reuniting with our bodies. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 32, says this. It helps us to uh, understand and summarizes this doctrine well. The bodies of men after death return to dust and see corruption. But their souls, which neither die nor sleep, having an immortal subsistence, immediately return to God who gave them. The souls of the righteous being then made perfect in holiness, are received into the highest heavens, where they behold the face of God, in light and glory, 
waiting for the full redemption of their bodies. And the souls of the wicked are cast into hell, where they remain in torment and utter darkness, reserved to the judgment of the great day. At the last day, such as are found alive shall not die, but be changed. And all the dead shall be raised up with the selfsame bodies, and none other, although with different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever. The bodies of the unjust shall by the power of Christ be raised to dishonor. The bodies of the just by his spirit unto honor and be made conformable to his own glorious body. Praise the Lord for all of this. Praise the Lord for the resurrection that is ours and promised by Christ. Praise the Lord for where we will be with him. Praise the Lord for what will happen in the reuniting of our bodies and souls. Praise the Lord even for the glory that he is due and what he will do with those who are raised to dishonor and those who are raised to honor. But notice that Peter said that he knew that he would die because Christ showed him. My friends, the risen Lord Jesus predicted Peter would be martyred for his faith, for God's glory. In John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. And yet Peter's death wouldn't stop the reminders. It wouldn't stop the establishing of God's people through all generations in the truth of the gospel. We know that to be true here today, don't we? As we are reading and considering his letter and God's word to us as well. Look at verse 15. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So knowing he would be gone soon, Peter establishes the saints in the truths he handed down to them. That when he died, those reminders would keep the saints in remembrance. That they would then hand these very same truths to their children and to their children's children and many generations later. And here we are today. So praise God for the scriptures. Praise God for the living written word that the Holy Spirit works in and through for the better preserving and propagating of the truth. For the comfort of the church. Where generation after generation have come and must continue to come to be reminded of the truth in order to live according to the truth. Bearing good fruit. All for the glory of God. Such a marvelous testimony of grace in Peter, isn't it? Such a passion for the purity and the maturity of the saints in Christ's body. Reminder after reminder. Moved by God and sent by God to do so, loving every minute of it. Sometimes we get tired of reminding, but Peter didn't. Because he knew why. He was sent to do it. And it's, very, it's with the very truth of God. Reminding God's people and encouraging them to be zealous in good works, to grow in the very godliness and holiness that God calls us to, should never be a tiring thing. We parents need to consider that more when we think about our children. 
We need to consider that more when we think about brothers and sisters that we see may struggle. And sometimes we get impatient with them. May we not be annoyed or bothered by reminders regarding godly knowledge and gospel obedience, but rather be sincerely thankful for the word and those that God has put in our lives to proclaim and to speak those necessary and needed things to us. For sometimes we may be annoyed that we need to remind. For some, we also are annoyed that they're coming to remind us. But may neither be true. May neither be true. We desperately need them, don't we? We desperately need them. For our memories are poor and the temptations are strong. The false teachers are growing in number and persuasion. And so our God is oh so good and, and perfectly wise in how he disciplines and grows us. Knowing exactly what we need and how we need it in order to be fruitful in his vineyard. Here is the vine dresser, the great vine dresser, tending to his vineyard, doing exactly what needs to be done, that the branches on his vine would be healthy, would grow and mature. May ministers today continue to be faithful to remind, as part of the word-grounded diet that we feed God's people with, Pray for me, beloved, that I would be faithful in these things for you. Pray for other ministers, that they would be faithful to their flocks as well in this way. May we all be faithful to embrace the truth, to live according to the truth, and to pass the glorious truth of the gospel to the future generations. Amen. Praise God. Let's go before him.